We're up to Daf Mem Zayin Amid Aleph. Um, let's start from the beginning. So, just to review, the Mishnah said the Mishnah said a case like this. The Mishnah said a case where you have a cow that gores an ox. The ox, let's say, got hundred dollars worth of damage. So Chatzin Nezek is fifty dollars. So the Mishnah said you take now the the. Part of the mission I forgot to mention is that there's a debate. The the the, ba- the there was definitely a baby that was uh, that was given birth after the attack. The question is, was the baby? Did the baby give birth? Did the mother give birth before the attack? So the baby was not involved in the attack at all, or did the mother give birth after? And the baby is partially guilty. So the Mishnah said. So the guy, I, I'm the owner of the ox. I'd like to collect from the uh, from the cow and the baby. So I claim. Oh, it's part of the mother. So the point is, I claim that the mother, that the baby, is part of the attack. So I. Yeah, no. So I, it's not It's part of the body. It's a limb. How is the leg uh, guilty? It's part of the limb. So the point is, so so I claim that the baby was the mother was pregnant. You, the owner of the cow, say no. It's not pregnant. So. What do we say? Sumcha says yachloiku. So the Mishnah said, I collect 50% chatsi nezek from the cow and a quarter nezek from the baby. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, so chatsi nezek and a quarter nezek is 75% nezek. Why do I get 75%? So we had two ma'alchim yesterday. The first ma'alch was that it was two different owners. Then the Gemara said a second ma'alch, which is very simple. And that is, all the Mishnah means is as follows. It's owned by the same guy. You're only getting chatzinezek. What the Mishnah means is, if the cow, if you could collect chatzinezek from the cow, again, let's say chatzinezek is $50. If the cow is worth $50, collect from the cow. If the cow is not worth $50, you could supplement it up to a quarter from the baby. Meaning you could collect, now let me explain that port with the baby. If, the, if I knew with 100% certainty the mother was pregnant with the baby at the time of the attack, I could collect the entire chatzinezek from the baby because the baby is part of the mom. Here's the issue. I claim I, claim I could collect chatzinezek from the baby. You claim you could collect zero from the baby. So what you do is you collect a quarter. That's half of chatzinezek. That, that's, that's the evolution. What you do see from this Gemara, this is a double poshet, that had the mother been pregnant with the baby at the time with 100% certainty, you could collect chatzinezek from the baby. Why? Because says the Gemara, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the Gemara says, Taima, about uh, line in, you could deduce from this Gemara that if I knew the mother was pregnant at the time, then... You could conceptually collect the entire payment from the baby because the baby is part of the cow. The Gemara says, Rava Lutameh, this is Rava Lashitaso, Dama Rava, Parashahazika Gaivim Mivlada. That Rava said that if the, a, a pregnant animal attacks another animal, you could collect payment from the fetus. My taima, what's the reboot? Gufi, because the baby is part of the body. The same way you could collect from the shoulder, you could collect from the fetus of Dabar Pasha. Uber Yerachimai. I mean, probably no one argues. Oh, now, here's, so I would mention this, because there is a situation where you cannot, and that is, let's say a chicken attacks, you cannot, you cannot collect from the egg. And then it gives birth to an egg, you can't collect from the egg. Why? Because once the egg is fully developed, unlike a baby, let's say the baby is fully developed, it's going to give birth tomorrow. Right now it's considered a part of the body. 
But an egg that is fully developed in the chicken is not considered part of the body. Vaharaya, it's not fleshig. Right? The very reason why you could eat eggs and they're pariv, and they're not, right? You eat a baby cow, you're fleshig, because it's a piece of basar. It's a piece. I mean, let's say you shech the cow, open it up, there's a baby in there. No, it's, 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 it's uh, you don't need shechita. You don't need shechita. The shechita, the mother, is matarit. The little eggs inside? The little eggs? No, 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 no. He's talking about, saying, you could have a deraisa with Basa B'chalav? Oh, now you're throwing a wrench, you're throwing a wrench and wrench. One second. Midaraisa also? Midarabonon also? One second. Yeah, there was a guy in Australia because he wanted to avoid chaylev. I think he made the chaylev his mother. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, I got derailed. But basically, what I'm referring to, no, it's fine. I got to check it up. If you shecht a cow and you open, you'll find a baby in there. The, the shechit of the mother is definitely mat to the cow. The question is, can you eat the cow with possible? I don't believe so, but I'm going to check that up. I'm going to check that up. Well, okay, but the point is, it's, it's, it's considered basar. It, that was that is what he's referring to. It doesn't eat shechita. You could eat it with milk. I don't think so. I, you know what? I'm going to check that up. Let's. Okay. Forget what Adam said and forget what I said. Back to over here. The baby is considered though baser. It's considered meaning it's considered a piece of the mother. But an egg, an egg from a chicken, is not considered part of the chicken at all. The proof is. It is not basar regarding... I'm still going with that one. It's, it's par of that, you know. Even, when it, even if you were to open up the chicken, this is in the first simon in your day, in if you were to open up the chicken and it was fully developed inside, that would also be par of. Okay, if it's not fully developed, then it would be... Then it gets complicated. It, does it have sinews? Does it have the yolk? Does it not have the yolk? It's all complicated. But, but anyway, the point is, Bekitzer, the baby is... The, the chicken egg is not considered a piece of the chicken. Now, I was mentioning for Basabachal of purposes, but it's very negay, obviously, for Hezek. If the baby, if the mother chicken attacks, you cannot collect Chasin Hezek from the eggs that are found within, assuming the eggs are fully developed, because they're not considered a part of the mother. Now, oh, it's an interesting thing. How do you evaluate... Um, okay, so my... You, your, your ox attacked my pregnant cow, killed the baby. Right? So you have to pay. So how do you figure out the value? So there's two ways to figure out the value. There's the cheaper way for you, or the more expensive way for you. The cheaper way is as follows. You basically figure out how much is a pregnant cow worth, how much is a regular cow worth. The difference is the value. Meaning, how do you figure out the value of a fetus? Right? So you figure out a pregnant cow, it's worth $500. A non-pregnant cow is $350. So the value of a fetus is $150. Bucks. Or... You could figure out the value of a cow in the marketplace and the value of a fetus in the marketplace. That is going to be a higher cost than a pregnant cow. It's, it's going to be, it costs more to buy a cow and a fetus than to buy a, a, a pregnant cow. That's the, that's the Matthias. So therefore, there's two ways to figure it out. You could say, well, the cost of a, of a live cow and a live fetus and then a dead cow and a dead fetus and the difference, which is going to be, let's say, $1,000. Or you could just do a pregnant cow a non-pregnant cow. So the halacha is, You do not figure out, when you're figuring out the value of a baby, you do not figure out the value of a cow and the fetus separately, because that's going to be very expensive. You figure out the value of a pregnant cow and a non-pregnant cow, and the difference, that's the value of the fetus. So the Gemara says, 
because if you go with the first approach of figuring out the value of a full cow and a full fetus that are alive, and then a full cow and a full fetus that are dead, and the difference, you're going to make the damager pay a lot. Now the Gemara is going to ask in a moment, so make him pay a lot, who cares, he's a damager. We'll get to the, the main point is, the Gemara feels that this is, it's not just that we're trying to be um, more cost efficient. It makes more sense that I should pay for a pregnant cow that's alive to a pregnant cow that's dead, as opposed to cow fetus, because I hurt a pregnant cow as opposed to, and that's what the Gemara is going to explain. This is not just meant to prevent money. It's more of an accurate assessment of what I did. I didn't hurt a cow and a fetus. I hurt a pregnant cow. Within a pregnant cow, there's a cow and a fetus. The Gemara continues. Now these two options of evaluating, it has other ways as well. There are other situations where you could have different ways of evaluating, and we're going to go with the cheaper approach. Similarly, Let's say you cut off your friend's slave's hand. So how do you figure out the value of what you did? Well, there's two ways to do it. One is you figure out the value of the slave with the hand and without the hand and the difference. That's one way. That is the way that we do. The other way, which would be much more expensive, is you go to someone who has a healthy slave and say, how much would it cost for me to cut off your slave's hand? That's going to be a lot more money because he's not willing to do it as opposed to the difference in market. So the halacha is, we go with the cheaper approach. Similarly, we also find the thing regarding damaging your friend's field. I go into your field, you're selling strawberries, okay? I, I destroy an acre of strawberries. There's two ways, you have a huge field. You have a 10 acre field, I destroyed an acre of strawberries. There's two ways to figure out the value of what I did. I can figure out the value of, let's say, how many pounds of strawberries did I destroy? 20 pounds, go to the store. How much is 20 pounds of strawberries? Well, this is going to be a lot of money. Or I could figure out how much would a person pay with a 10-acre field of strawberries to a 9-acre field of strawberries. It's going to be a lot less. The, mar- the price of each strawberry, if you analyze it, is going to be a lot more money than just going big picture. So that you do the same thing. Go with the cheaper approach. So the Gemara says, You're telling me that when it comes to the pregnant cow, I don't pay for a cow and a fetus. I pay for, separately, I pay for a pregnant cow. Why? If that's what I did, if I hurt a cow and a fetus, if that's what I did wrong, then lichashmazik, so let the, let the damager pay more. I mean, the Gemara understands right now that it's like, we're just doing this to save him money. I don't care about his money. If you want to tell me it's more accurate, fine. But you, you're doing this to save him money, no good. So the Gemara says, no, The answer is no, it's a more accurate assessment of what I did. I didn't kill a, a cow and a fetus separately. I killed a pregnant cow. And that's, there's a difference. And therefore, it's a more of an accurate assessment. Now, here's an interesting thing. So let's say the situation is where I own the cow, you own the fetus. So, and, and, and your ox kills the cow and the fetus. So you pay me for the cow, him for the fetus. So how do you figure out the value of a fetus? So you say, well, again, in the market, pregnant cow, non-pregnant cow, $500. That's the value of a fetus. Apparently, every, every pregnant cow has, there are certain, okay, there's basically three things that make it more valuable. I mean, what makes a pregnant cow more valuable than, a, than, a, than an unpregnant cow? So there's apparently three things. There's a fetus in there, and I'm paying for the fact that it'll become potentially, uh, you know, uh, a baby and become a cow. Uh, the added weight, pregnant cows are heavier, 
which means more fat, which means more meat. So if I shecht it, so there's also the, the, the girth. And apparently there's a third one, which is it looks bigger. So not just looks bigger, so apparently the, the, the skin, more, I'll go not looks, there's different reason, I'll go with the skin. The skin stretches out so there's more hide. So the, 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 so the question is like this. You're going to get the, you on the fetus, you're going to get the value, when they're, and they're going specific. They're going to go, and they're going to go to the market, they're going to figure this out. You're going to get the value that it went up due to the fact that there's a baby in there. What about the other two? The fact that it's fatter now. Forget about the fetus. It's also a cow that has 30 pounds more, more, more weight on it. So that 30 pounds makes it more valuable. That's an added value. Who gets that? Is that me or is that you? So the Gemara says, Let's see the cases where one person owns the cow, one person owns the fetus. The added fat and the added weight, the value that it went up due to the fact that it's fatter, even though it's fatter because it's pregnant, that goes to the owner of the cow. That's no part. That's no question. It's mine. I own the cow. No question. But nafchamai. What about the fact that it expanded its body? And that Rashi says, according to one shot, is is the added um, uh, that it hide. Who gets that now? Is that the cow or is that due to the pregnancy? It's definitely due to the pregnancy. So Rav Papa, I'm in the Rav Papa says to me, I mean, it's still my. I own the cow. So the added, you know, I understand that the baby caused there to be more skin, but at the end of the day, it's the cow. Wait, Ra- is there also the skin of the fetus? Or the fetus? No, no, you're, you're getting, no, no, that, that you're getting. It's rolled Yeah, that's all included. It's all inclusive. The question is the, the added value of the hide, sort of Papa says, it goes to the owner of the cow because the owner of the cow, it's, it's his cow at the end of the day, you know. Rav Acha Rav He says, no, you actually split it. You split the value. The Hilchasacholkim, and that is the halacha. Okay. Next, Mishnah. Trying to think of what the da- trying to remember what the daf was about. Um, oh yeah, okay, fine. Uh, this is just not very complicated. You just have to you gotta like just look at each line carefully because there's one ha'ara that if you don't get it by the mishnah, the gemara is going to point it out. It's going to be a little more complicated. So just try to try to focus. Mishnah says like this: Hakadur I bring my pottery into your backyard without permission. So I bring it into, let's say, Gavin's backyard, just for the names. I bring pottery into Gavin's backyard without permission. Now what happens? So, Gavin's cow breaks my pottery. Now, it wasn't supposed to be there. His animal destroys my pottery. Potter, you do not have to pay. Why? Because what is my pottery doing in your backyard? So far, makes a lot of sense. Let's keep going. Let's say my pottery hurt his animal. His animal tripped over my pottery and broke an ankle. I have to pay, because what is my pottery doing in his backyard? So far, so good. Now, Now here's the question. Let's say I have permission to bring in the pottery. So then, I, bring, I have permission to bring in the pottery, and your animal breaks it, you have to pay. Now, this is following the shita of the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon, this is very important. The Rabbanon shita is that when I grant you permission... Oh, let's say you grant me permission. Again, I have pottery. I call up Gavin and say, hey, can I leave pottery in your backyard? And you're like, yeah, sure, it's fine. I put pottery in your backyard, and then your animal breaks it. You have to pay. Why? Because by you granting me permission, you are accepting responsibility that you will protect my pottery 
at least from your cow, we're going to see maybe from other things as well. But you are not just giving permission, it's also accepting Shmira. Now, Rebbe disagrees with this. As we'll see in the end of the Mishnah, Rebbe disagrees with that premise. Rebbe believes permission is not accepting Shmira. Yeah? So if um, the person puts his Kedai uh, Rosa in the Chatzar, um, and the Bully Rishus, and the owner of the Chatzar goes ahead and, and uses it, you know, to shoot up or whatever and yeah. breaks them, he's, he'd probably putter too? I would think so, yeah. Oh, okay. I would think so. Well, no, that actually has to do with um, I mean, that has to do with the sugi we once had of uh, whether you're allowed to take uh, actions into your own hands. What's the lotion of it? Um, um, uh, what do you call it? Of it ina dina lenaf So that would be totally in that child. But anyway, like this. Now, notice this one case. This is the one point in the Gemara that the Gemara is going to make Ha'arab. I'd rather just explain it to now because it'll be clear. Mishnah said, I put pottery in Gavin's backyard with permission. Now, the Rabbanon Shita is that he is not just granting permission, he is accepting Shmira of the pottery. His ox breaks the pottery, he has to pay. That's what the Mishnah says. What the Mishnah does not say is the following case. And the question is, what would the halacha be? I put pottery in your backyard with permission. Instead of your, your ox breaking it, because that you have to pay, what if your ox trips over it? Do I have to pay? Right? I have permission. So the question is, so the implication of the Mishnah is that I do not have to pay. And the question is, why? Huh? No, 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 no. So let's say he hurt himself. Um, let's say he hurt himself because it was, I don't know, it was moving or he banged into it. He, he gored it and he hurt his head, whatever it is. So it wouldn't be gored. But you're right. But let's say... The question is like this. So again, I put pottery with permission and your ox breaks it, you have to pay because you accepted Shmira. The implication is that if your ox didn't break it but your ox hurt himself on it, I don't have to pay. Now the question is why? Why don't we assume, the Gemara assumes like this, if when I put pottery into his backyard, he accepts Shmira of my pottery, doesn't that also mean I accept Shmira of his cow vis-a-vis my pottery? So it kind of sounds like it's a contradiction. It's like, are you following the Rabbana that there's an automatic shmira accepted or not? And the Gemara's basic conclusion is going to be that when I put pottery in your backyard and you grant permission, you're accepting shmira of my pottery. I am not accepting shmira of what the pottery will do to your cow. That, that's, so it's not a two-way street regarding shmira. Okay, but we'll get to that. Now that was the case for pottery. The Mishnah will now say the exact same halacha. Basically, you're accepting shmira on the... Pottery has nothing to do with a cow. Correct. Well, that's the conclusion of the Gemara, but we'll get to it. Now, the Mishnah says the exact same case, instead of pottery, with fruit. I put fruit in Gavin's backyard without permission. And his cow eats it. Potter, he does not have to pay, because what is my fruit doing in his backyard? And if the animal hurts itself on the fruit, we'll see exactly the case in the, in the Gemara. How did, the, how did the animal hurt himself? But if the animal hurt himself on the fruit... I'm obligated to pay because what is my fruit doing in his backyard? But if I have permission to put my fruit in his backyard and then his animal eats it, you have to pay because you accepted shmira, an automatic shmira like the Rabbana, the exact same case. Let's keep going. Another case, I bring an ox into Gavin's backyard without permission. Let's go to the next page. And my ox gores goes uh, your ox i bring it into your and your house without permission then my ox goes your ox 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And your ox gores mine. I bring my ox into Gavin's backyard, and Gavin's ox gores mine, or Gavin's dog bites my ox. Potter, he does not have to pay because what is his what is my ox doing in his backyard? But let's keep going. If my ox gores his, I have to pay because what is my ox doing in his backyard? Keep going. If I bring an ox into your backyard without permission and then it falls into your well, rendering all your well water undrinkable, so Chayiv, I have to pay. Because again, what is my ox doing in your backyard? Let's say, God forbid, the homeowner's father was in the well, repairing it, and when my animal fell in, it killed him. So the halacha is, Mishalom is a koifer, I have to pay koifer. Now, by the way, koifer only applies to a case of a muad. That means that this animal's done this. The animal has constantly fallen to people in a pit before. Okay, fine. But let's say I bring my ox into your courtyard with your permission. So, and then, and your animal damaged it. You have to pay because by, me, by you granting me permission, you are also granting shmira over my animal. Now, not just my, I think it's just because it's a practical case. Yeah. Now, all of this is all the same thing, which is granting permission is an automatic shmira. Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, Rebbe Oymer, Rebbe disagrees, Bekulon in of Lishmar. Rebbe disagrees. He says permission is not automatic shmira, and unless you specifically verbalize, I am Shomer, your ox, or I am Shomer, your pears, I am Shomer, your pots, it is not a shmira. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to mention the contradiction that I said before. This is the only thing of the Mishnah, of the Daf, it's a little bit tricky. The Mishnah said like this, I bring pottery with permission into Gavin's backyard, and Gavin's animal breaks it, he has to pay. Why? Because it follows the Rabbanon, that by him granting permission, he is accepting Shmira. What if, instead of his ox breaking my pottery, my pottery breaks his ankle? And his ox hurts himself on my pottery. The implication of the mission is I don't have to pay. But why not? If he, by him granting permission to my pottery, he's accepting shmirah onto me, why am I not, isn't it assumed as well that I'm, I'm accepting shmirah? It's a two-way street. So what's going on? It's a contradiction. So the Gemara, let's dig inside. Wait a minute. The implication is that I don't have to pay, and we and I did not accept Shmira money. That's Rebbe Hidamer called Bistamale Kabul in Tirusa. So it's basically a contradiction. Yeah. It says in the Mishnah that if I have Gavin's permission and I put pottery in his backyard and his animal breaks my pottery, he has to pay because it's an automatic shmira, not like Rebbe. But then the implication of the Mishnah is that if my pottery hurts his ankle, I don't have to pay for his cow. Why? Because I never accepted shmira. That kind of follows the Rebbe, that unless you actually verbalize the shmira, so it's a bit of a contradiction. The Gemara's conclusion, there's two explanations. One is going to be that, no, it's a contradiction. But the, 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 final, the final explanation is very simple, and that is, when he grants me permission of my pottery, he is accepting shmira of my pottery, but I am not accepting shmira of what my pottery would do for him. It's a one-way street, not a two-way street. So the Gemara says, Ema Seifa. So you're telling me that it's Rebbe, Ema Seifa, but then go to the next line. Meaning it's a contradiction. 
Does our Mishnah follow Rebbe or the Rabbanon? More than this, Vesu, Rebbe, Oymen Bekulin, Nechayv, Shekabal, Aval, Abayas, Lishmar, Reisha, Vesefi, Rebbe, Siyasa, Rabbanon. Also, the end of the Mishnah says Rebbe is a Shita, which implies that Rebbe Shita was not said until that point. So it's basically a contradiction in our Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Amar Avzeira, Tavra, Misha, Shana, Zule, Shana, Zusara. says, Our Mishnah is, uh, it's, it's Taka written funny. You're right, it's a contradiction, meaning our Mishnah is going back and forth from line to line, Rebbe, Rabbanon, Rebbe, Rabbanon. And it was not authored by the same people. The one who wrote one line in the Mishnah was not the same person who wrote the next line in the Mishnah. Obviously, it's not a great answer, but you have that sometimes throughout Chas. Rabbah says, no, very simple. Kula Rabbanani. Really, it's all the Rabbanan. Uber Shus, Shmiris Kederis, Kibble of Balachot, Ruach. The answer is very simple, and that is when Gavin grants me permission to leave my pottery in his backyard. I, he is accepting Shmir on mine, but I am not accepting Shmir on his. That assumption that you made, that by granting permission, it's a two-way street of Shmira, is incorrect. Even the Rabbanon who feel that there is a Mestama Shmira, it does not go two ways. It only goes one directional. Okay, new sugya. The sugya is like this. I'll tell you the sugya. Sugya is like this. The Mishnah said that if I put fruit in your backyard without permission and my fruit hurt your animal, I have to pay. Now, how did my fruit hurt your animal? So there's two ways. I mean, I'm sure there's multiple ways, but there's two ways the Gemara analyzes. One is uh, your animal tripped over my apples. Okay, I have to pay, no question. What if your animal ate my food and overate and died? So do I have to pay for that? Your animal technically hurt itself on my fruit, but on the other hand, I could argue, why is your animal why is your animal eating my fruit? Meaning, I understand that by me leaving my fruit there, if your animal if it got in the way and your animal hurt itself because it was an obstacle, okay, fine, I, I, I get that. It shouldn't have been there. But your animal ate my fruit and, and I have to pay because your animal overindulged in my food. That, that's, that seems a bit much. That's the Gemara's discussion from here until the end of the Daf, and that is if your animal eats my fruit and gets sick from it, is that my responsibility? Or do I say to you, listen, I understand I left it there without permission, and this is without permission. I, I understand I left it there without permission, but why? I am not responsible for your animal eating all of my food and then getting overeating my food. Like that, that's too much. So that's the Gemara's discussion. It's like a kiddush too. It's, no, it happens to be whatever. There was a, a Shiloh from Zilberstein once years ago. I think he had a Shiloh of like, whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. It's one of those like, it's a Shiloh, but it's, it's posh. He talked about if, if you know that there's a kid in your class who's stealing cookies. Oh. Can you poison the cookies? Oh, boy. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's the answer. The answer is, what? <laughs> okay, the, the answer is, what? Huh? Oh, of course. Yeah. Meaning, Gavin's like, it's, it's a dumb repulsion. Of course you can. Anyway, whatever. So it has to do with the sugi of, of, is it my responsibility knowing full well you're going to eat? Is that my responsibility? Okay, so let's see this side. Again, now, no, notice, please remember, the case is I put fruit without permission. Because if I put food with permission... And then Gavin's animal ate it and got sick. I'm definitely not paying for that because he granted permission, which means he accepted shmira. But we're talking about shaloi b'shus. Shaloi b'shus, your animal gets hurt on my fruit, I have to pay. Says the Gemara Amirav, Rav says when the Mishnah says got, got hurt, it only means that he slipped on it. Avalacha, but if it ate too much and, and died, Potter, I don't have to pay. My timer, I could say to the owner, your animal shouldn't have eaten my food. 
I'm not responsible for your animal eating my food to the point of getting sick. It's not my responsibility. I understand. Maybe I shouldn't have put it there, but that, that's not. I don't have to pay for you overindulging in my food. He's allergic. Oh, so what if, what, if, what if it was poisonous? What if it was food that, that for an animal is poisonous? Can dogs not eat chocolate? Is that a thing? So you put chocolate in the dog. Eating. So that's the case. I'm Rav Sheshis. So this is Rav talking. Rav Sheshis says, Amina Rav I think Rav must have said this when he was like uh, schluffing. You know that point to where everyone's like, yeah. like that. Rav must have uh, must have been dozing off when he said this because no way this makes sense. Why? Ditanya. But besides for the fact that Roshesh, I think, disagrees with this fundamentally, he has a proof. What does the Bryce say? I put a, a plate of poison. I put a plate of poison in front of my, uh, in front of, uh, my friend's animal. I, I put it in front of Gavin's uh, cow. I'm not sure, but I think the Rav, uh, we have other places in the where he fell asleep. Well, I, it's actually interesting. That's a good point. He actually, he, there were a couple of places that he did that. The, now it's using it against him. So the point is, so let's say the Bryce says that if I put poison in front of uh, Gavin's cow, okay, and the animal eats it and then dies, what's my punishment? Pata medine adam. I am not liable in, 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 in human court, but in Shemayim I'm going to be punished. Now, the Gemara implies, now that's very similar to what we're talking about. Am I responsible for you eating, your animal eating, getting hurt? The implication is it's dafka poison that you're not chayiv because poison is not food. But if it was food that the old animal overate and got sick, I would be responsible. That's the implication. The implication is that I'm only not responsible because it's poison which is not edible. Avil peris, but had it been fruit that he overate too much and made, made it into poison by overeating it. I would have to pay. Rav Shesha says, Rav is incorrect, because Brisa implies not like that. Why? Again, Rav is saying that if your animal overeats my apples and dies, I don't have to pay. But over here it says you only don't have to pay because it's poison. The implication is that if it was regular food, you would have to pay. So the Gemara says, no, a couple things. Amri, Rav responds, Nah, the same halacha applies to Paris as well. You don't have to pay for poison, you don't have to pay for fruit. So why do you mention poison if you could if the same halach applies to apples? Say apples. The chiddush is that poison, which is not edible, you're still responsible for the shemay. Meaning, don't think that you can get away with the fact that you could say, "Why would I think it's going to eat it?" Hashem knows. The chiddush is that you still punish for the even though it's not edible. But avad if it's edible, you'll be punished. Your potter. And chayiv v'dini shemayim pot v'dini adam. Or another answer: Samam avis nami ba parzit to die no peri. You know the other answer is: What was the kash on Rav? Rav feels that if your animal eats my fruit to the point of being sick, I don't have to pay. I the k. What's the kasha? The brisa says that halacha only regarding poison, not regarding food. Who says that is poison is not food? You think of poison as chemicals. There were some. It was chocolate and, and a dog. Food could be poison as well. So the case is mamish what Rob said. The animal, I put food, regular food in front of a cow that is edible. It's poisonous for the cow, whatever it is. It's not meant for cows to eat. But it's food. Ate it. Pata medina yadam. So it's mamish Rav Shita found in the Brisa. Now, so right now we're saying, according to Rav, that if I put food out in front of your cow without permission, your cow eats it, I do not have to pay. Says the Gemara, the Brisa says, I go into your backyard to grind wheat without permission. And your animal ate the wheat. 
you don't. I mean, you don't have to pay for the wheat that it ate, obviously, because what is my what is my wheat doing there? Vim huska. If the animal got hurt, seemingly by it eating the wheat, chayeves, you have to pay. It's not like Rav. Vamai Rav said that if your animal eats my food and gets sick, I don't have to pay. Over here it says huska. Huska means it got hurt. How did it get hurt? Mestama by it eating it or overeating it. And you're chayev. So the Gemara says, no. Wait a minute. Our Mishnah said hurt. And how do we translate the Mishnah? Not eating, slipping. So it's over here. The Bryce also is talking about slipping. What? The Bryce never says it, it, it got hurt by eating. It says huska. Huska can mean slipping. It's the same thing. The same way I touched up the Mishnah as slipping, I touched up the Bryce as slipping. So the Gemara says, it's a good point. Udakarila my Karla. Taka, what was even the Shiloh? Like, what was the Havamina? I'll tell you why. The Mishnah said Huska Behen means you slipped in them. In them means implies slipping. Huska, the Brysa just said Huska. It didn't say Behen. So that implies that the damage was not on the fruit, but from the fruit. That's why they didn't want to think of it as slipping. The response is, no, the Behen is loved after. Okay, now one last Ha'ara. And it's pretty obvious, by the way. Again, we're talking about the following case. I put fruit in Gavin's backyard without permission. Gavin's animal eats it to the point of dying. I do not have to pay. Without permission. Here's the Gemara's kasha. I'll tell you outside what the Gemara's going to do. We'll see it inside. The Gemara is now going to bring a bright that says that he has to pay, but it's with permission. The Gemara feels there's no difference. And the Gemara's answer, no, no, no. There's a huge difference. Because when Gavin grants me permission... Meaning, the Brysa says that if I have permission from Gavin to put food in his backyard, and I do it, and his animal eats it, I don't have to pay. The implication is, the Gemara is like, over there, you can't compare permission to not permission. Over there, there's permission. There's a huge difference between granting permission or not. Let's see it inside. You bring an ox into my backyard without permission. And the ox ate wheat, the hitrizumes, and had diarrhea and died. Meaning, you're, you bring an ox into my backyard without permission and it dies. Potter, I don't have to pay because what's your ox doing in my backyard? But if you, I, I give you permission to bring your ox into my backyard, you understand the case. I give Gavin permission to have his ox come into my backyard. The animal comes into my backyard, eats too much wheat and dies. I have to pay for the ox. Well, uh, wait a minute, I thought the whole point is that if the o- animal overindulges, it's not my responsibility. So the Gemara says, So the answer is very simple. You're comparing this case, which is I granted permission, to not granting permission. The difference is that when I grant Gavin permission to bring his ox to my backyard, I'm accepting Shmira on his ox. So if his ox overeats and dies, of course I have to pay. We're talking about a case where there is no permission. So you're not comparable to The Gemara says, How do you compare permission to not permission? When it comes to permission, when you grant permission, of course you accepted Shmira. So you, it's not comparable. Two more minutes, we'll stop with this. Here's the kasha. Okay? Very simple case. I bring in pottery into Gavin's backyard with permission. His ox gores it, he has to pay because he accepted shmira upon my pottery. Let me ask you a question. Did he accept shmira for his ox only? What if someone else's ox breaks in and breaks it? Do you have to pay? I mean, are you accepting it like a shimer? 
like that if anything happens to the to it, I have to, you'll pay or you're saying I'll I'm accepting shmir that my animal won't do anything I don't know what happened whatever happened I'm not I'm not a shomer you understand the question the question is when you accept shmira that your ox won't do anything to my pottery are you just accepting that your ox won't do anything or you're accepting full shmir that I will make sure nothing happens and if someone else's ox were to break it so that's the kasha someone else's ox were to break it do you have to pay. So, in the case where the landlord accepts responsibility for the pottery or the fruit, whatever it is, what, what, what is the extent of this responsibility? Is he just accepting Shmira upon his ox? Or is he accepting Shmira from all obstacles? that Any ox that comes in or, or anything that happens in the backyard is his responsibility, even if it's not his his doing. So Tashima, look at the price. The Tari Rav Yehuda Bar Simayim Bin Yizak in the Bekarna Hichnis Peirosil Chazeshloi Balavayshloi Bershus. I bring an I bring fruit into Gavin's backyard without permission. Ubasharm and Makam Acher, and Adam has an ox that breaks into that comes out of nowhere. Again, I put fruit in Gavin's backyard without permission. Adam's ox gets into Gavin's backyard and eats. Potter, Potter. Now who's Potter? I'm not sure. Potter. Imbershus, Chayv. But if there was permission, it's Chayv. Now who's Potter and who's Chayv? Pasha's Gavin. Meaning, Gavin grants me permission. Adam's animal eats the fruit. You have to pay. Why? Because you accepted Shmira. Oh, so you see, Potter and Chayv is talking about Gavin, the landlord. So if there's no permission, you don't have to pay. If there's permission, you have to pay. Even though your animal didn't do anything. It was Adam's animal. So you see, Vaisdechois, that you're accepting Shmira is Shmira L'Oilam. So the Gemara says, "My potter man chayiv, lav potter balachotzer, potter balavayis, potter balachotzer, chayiv balachotzer." Gemara says, "No, Amri loy." Again, what's the case? The case is I put fruit in Gavin's backyard without permission and with permission, and then Adam's animal goes into his backyard and eats it. If there's no permission, potter. If there's permission, chayiv. So we said, "Who's potter and chayiv?" Gavin. That makes sense, right? You're a shomer. If you're a shomer, you're chayiv. You're not a shomer, you're potter. Gemara says, no, you're not a shomer at all. Meaning you're a shomer for your stuff, but you're not a shomer to prevent the atoms. So who's potter and who's chayiv? Adam. Potter balashar v'chayiv balashar. Wait, wait a minute. So th- think about that. I bring in fruit into Gavin's backyard without permission. Adam's animal eats it. Adam does not have to pay. I bring in fruit into Gavin's backyard with permission. Adam's animal eats it. He does have to pay. Why does that make sense? Adam's animal has nothing to do there. Gavin and I have an understanding. I break into his backyard, I leave fruit there without permission. Adam's animal eats it, potter. I go into Gavin's backyard with permission, Adam's animal eats it, chayev. Why? If you're telling me potter and chayev is the landlord, Gavin, then it makes sense. With permission, he's chayev. No permission, he's potter. Adam's animal has nothing to do with our arrangement. Right? If, if think about it logically. I bring fruit into Gavin's backyard without permission. Adam's animal comes out of nowhere, eats it. I go over to Adam, hey, pay, pay me for the fruit. He's like, nah. Well, why? You didn't have permission to be there. So what? What does that matter to you? Your animal's not supposed to be there anyway. What's the difference? If you're talking about Gavin's animal doing something, fine, shine. But if you're telling me that, that, that the damage happened to a, by a third party, what does the third party have to get involved with me and Gavin? I would say it's none of your business whether my fruit had to be there. You still damaged me. So what's going on of it? It doesn't make sense. So the Gemara says, 
Ibalashar will end with this. What, what does it matter whether I have permission? What does Adam's animal eating my fruit have to do with whether I have permission from Gavin to be there? The answer is like this. This is a little bit of a blast from the past. We haven't had this in a while. The Gemara says, Amri Bershus, have a Lashain Bershus Anizak. Shame Bershus Anizak Chayevis. Shlay Bershus, have a Shlay Bershus Arab. Shame Bershus Arab Patur. And this is due to technicality. Shane is only Chayev Bershus Anizak. Meaning, Shane is only Chayev if it's in Bershus Anizak. My fruit got damaged. My it has, Shane is only chayiv if the damage happens in my property. So if I have permission from Gavin to leave it there, then Gavin's backyard becomes my, like my property. Then when Adam and Adam will eat it, it's considered Shane b'shoz hanizek, chayiv. But if I don't have permission, then it's considered, vis-a-vis me, it's considered shusarab. Because I'm not supposed to be there. So when Adam's animal eat it, eats it, it's potter, because it's Shane b'shoz hanizek. Shane b'shoz hanizek is potter. That's, that's a shot. That's clever. All right, we'll stop here.